Church, great to see you here this morning. My name is Justin Ross, lead pastor here at Grace Church, and also want to give a special welcome to those of you that are watching on Facebook Live. And we just finished up an incredible series going through a letter in the New Testament of the Scriptures called Colossians. And throughout this series, we talked about the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is all you need. And you don't need to add anything to Jesus, that Jesus is enough. It's not Jesus plus something, it's actually Jesus plus nothing. Jesus is all you need. He is sufficient, He is supreme, He is enough. It was an incredible letter, and uh, we had an incredible time. And we're excited to begin a brand new series today, and this series is called Windward. And as we begin this series, I think it's important for me to just start with uh, really defining the term windward. And why are we talking about windward? The word windward means to go the direction in which the wind is currently blowing. To go the direction in which the wind is currently blowing. It's an important sailing term that sailors use. You see, sailboats, they have to go with the wind. They have to use the wind to get to the destination where they want to be. They have to use the wind to get to the place that they desire to be. It's the same way on our spiritual journey. Every journey has a destination. Every journey has a place where you want to end up, where you want to be, a place where you want to go. Every place has a destination. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we're on a journey. We have a destination. We have a place where God is leading us to go. You see, as Christians, we're not just wandering around aimlessly just roaming around, and, and, and our lives are, are not uh, purposeless. They're actually purposeful, full of purpose, full of life. We have a God-ordained mission. We have a God-directed vision to fulfill and to live out. We have a place to go. We have a destination to get to. Every journey has a destination. You see, usually when you set sail, when you push away from the shore and you go out into the deep, you're trying to get to a specific place. You're trying to get to this destination. But, you know, very few people get to this place. Very few people get to this destination on purpose. Very few people do. The ones that do are the ones with vision, a clear vision, along with the courage to push off from the shore, along with the courage to step out in faith, A clear vision along with the courage to step out in faith dramatically increases your chances to reach this God-ordained destination. And my sermon's already making some kids cry, you know? (laughs) Come on, man, I'm trying my best up here. You see, we need to go windward. You need to go where God is taking you. You need to go where God is is leading you to go. You need to go where the Spirit of God is moving you. You need to go windward. Throughout this four-week series, we're going to see how the trivial details of this everyday life, you know, just sometimes they're the routine of life. You get up, you go to work, and you come home. You get up, and you go to work, and you come home. And you get up, and you go to work, and you come home, and you get up, and you go to work, and you come home. 
We're going to talk about when you have a God-ordained vision. Those details of life, those sometimes it seems like meaningless or just routine or just doing the same thing over and over again. When we say yes to God, when we step out in faith, suddenly our lives have great purpose. Suddenly the adrenaline begins to pump through our veins and our hearts begin begin to beat a little bit faster, and we begin to think to ourselves, yes, like this is what I was created to do. This is what I was created for. This is why God made me. And you can look back on your life with this deep, abiding satisfaction, and you can think, yes, I did it. Like I finished the race. I I lived out this thing called life, and and I lived it well. I ran this race well. And my life, it counted. It mattered. It wasn't for naught. My life was worth living. This brings us to a story in the Scriptures that is actually going to guide us through this series called Windward. You see, around 587 B.C., the Babylonians invaded Judah. And they destroyed the city of Jerusalem along with Solomon's temple. Beautiful Solomon's temple. This was the third of three campaigns by the Babylonians into that region. About 70 years after the first Babylonian invasion, Cyrus, king of Persia, he gave the Jews permission to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, to rebuild what was destroyed, the devastation. Under the leadership of a man named Zerubbabel, everyone says Zerubbabel. You sound funny too. Under the leadership of a man named Zerubbabel, these exiled Jews returned to Jerusalem and they rebuilt the temple. And things were looking up for the nation of Israel. They were beginning to find hope again. They were beginning to find purpose. They said, yes, we are going to be a nation that is blessed by God again. But the people refused to turn away from the very sins that God had judged their ancestors for in the days of Daniel, and in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. See, what was happening is the temple of God was not being maintained. It was just beginning to fall apart. Sacrifices had ceased. By the time our story begins, the, the political, the social, and the spiritual conditions of Jerusalem were deplorable. I mean, they were disgraceful. It was devastation. It was completely a wreck. Meanwhile, back in Persia, a Jewish man named Nehemiah, he heard about the condition of his homeland. And he felt something. He heard about the destruction, he heard about the devastation, and he felt something. In fact, what he felt, he felt so deeply that he wept. And we're going to see a little bit later that, that Nehemiah was not the sort of a man that would just weep you know, at the drop of a hat. He certainly wasn't emotionally unstable. But he was burdened. He was moved by the brokenness of his homeland. And this burden that he felt, it drove him to prayer. It drove him to fasting. I want you to see it for yourselves in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. This is in the Old Testament of your Bible. In verse 3 of Nehemiah chapter 1 says, And they, speaking of Nehemiah's friends, they said to me, Things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. 
The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Look at verse 4. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. You know, I don't think I have to remind you about this, but in this day, if you didn't have walls around your city, if you didn't have big gates, you were going to be just run over by your enemies. You had to have that for protection. And the walls of Jerusalem were torn down. The gates had been destroyed by fire. And so they were just, uh, you know, open to the attacks of their enemy. Now, little did Nehemiah know, but these deep feelings that he had when he heard about the devastation of his homeland, they were the initial birth pains of a vision. They were the initial birth pains of a vision that people would be reading about thousands of years later. We're reading about it right now. Nehemiah's vision didn't begin as a vision. It began as a concern. It began as a burden. A burden for his nation. A burden for his people. Now, I have to kind of step back for just a moment, and I have to share a little, kind of a weird part of this story. Okay, This is the weird part of this story. <clears throat> The walls around Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonians over 140 years prior to the time of Nehemiah. Okay, so, so track with me. Here's the Nehemiah in the present day. 140 years earlier, Jerusalem was destroyed. So the city of Jerusalem has been destroyed for 140 years. So the question is, why is Nehemiah all worked up over a city that's been destroyed for so long? Like, what's the deal? It's been in ruins. It's been destroyed for 140 years. You know, I believe that the Holy Spirit is allowing Nehemiah to see the destruction of his homeland, of his home city, afresh. The Holy Spirit of God is allowing Nehemiah to see the destruction of his homeland through the eyes, through the heart of God. Nehemiah is drawing close to the heart of Jesus and the brokenness of his people. It begins to bother him. It disturbs him. And it disturbs him greatly. And the Spirit of God is moving the heart of Nehemiah. The Spirit of God is about to move Nehemiah windward. Grace Church, listen, I, I need you to hear this. I need you to hear this. It is so important that we have the heart of Jesus. Because so many of us, and I'm not talking about those of those out there, I'm talking about us. So many of us have become numb to the brokenness around us. For 140 years, people were walking around the ruins of Jerusalem and they got to the point where they didn't care. They didn't care. There was brokenness all around them, but they were numb to it. They became calloused to the brokenness. People were so used to walking around the brokenness, they didn't even notice it anymore. You see, we can get so used to brokenness that we're no longer moved by it. That we're no longer bothered by it. We can get so used to brokenness that we no longer even recognize it. We can get so used to brokenness that brokenness becomes the new normal. And it's just, hey, this is just the way it is. This is just how, how we do things around here. And let me just remind you that we are in a city, we are in a region that is broken. 
We are in a city that is spiritually bankrupt. And the sad reality is, is many of us are no longer moved by it. We're not bothered by it because it's all we've ever known. It's just what we've experienced. It's just the way it is. We're walking around broken walls every day and we remain unmoved, unbothered. We remain calloused. We we need to have the heart of Jesus. Durango, this this region is, is full of brokenness. Relationships are broken in our region. We have have so much divorce. We have so many single-parent homes in our community. So many kids being raised without fathers or without the influence of both parents. Relationships are broken in our communities. We've seen an increase in depression rates and people committing suicide. And many, many people are living their lives unfulfilled and hopeless. Many people are living their lives bored. They're just bored with the get up, go to work, come home. You know what else is broken? People's stewardship is broken. So many people are in major debt. So many people in our region, they're working two or three jobs just to survive another week or maybe to to pay the interest, you know, on their credit card debt. And this this isn't just a community problem. This is a national problem. We're spending, we are a spending nation. We spend more than we make. Our stewardship is broken. Please, please understand and please know that I'm not saying these things to make you feel guilty, but instead, I'm saying these things to point out the brokenness, that the walls around our communities are in ruins. There's brokenness around us, and we've become numb to it. We don't even recognize it anymore. But I want to encourage us to respond like Nehemiah did. We should be troubled. We should be aware. We should be keen to the brokenness around us. We need to pray. We need to be moved to the point where we fast, where we're broken for the people around us. We should be constantly going to the Lord in prayer and asking God to help us. God, help us know what to do. God, help us to have understanding. Help us to see our neighbors like you see our neighbors. Help us to see afresh. Help us to be aware of the brokenness around us. You know, the picture sometimes can can seem bleak. It can seem hopeless. Maybe it can seem like there's nothing we can do. But there is things we can do. When we are aware of the brokenness around us and God gives us eyes afresh, when he helps us to see things the way he sees things, then he leads us to respond. He leads us to action. This month, I will have been uh, the lead pastor here at Grace Church for eight years. And some of you are like, I know, it's been a long eight years, you know what I'm saying? But it has been quite the journey. Back in early 2017... The elders of Grace Church, they, they gave me the opportunity to take a sabbatical. And for those of you that maybe you're new to church, maybe you, know, you haven't been in church in a long time and you're not used to the churchy terms, um, a sabbatical is an intentional set time to get away and rest, to reflect, and to purposefully hear from the Lord. To really do it on purpose, to, to really hear from God. And as I approached this sabbatical... To be very honest with you, I was really nervous. 
I'd never taken one in my life. And I'm not wired to sit around. And so I had kind of had this vision, like, what am I going to do for two weeks? Just, like, sit there and be quiet and listen, maybe not hear anything. Like, I, it made me nervous. I was really anxious about it. But I, I received some great counsel from the leaders here at the church, and we were very intentional. We put some structure around my time away. And I can honestly say that this sabbatical, the first one I've ever taken in my life, was the most eye-opening and spiritually rejuvenating time in my personal spiritual journey. And if you ever get the chance to get away, to rest, to reflect, to purposefully just be still and to hear from God, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. This time away, God used it to reaffirm and to solidify, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why, why am I doing this? Why am I pastoring a church? Why am I doing this? And God reaffirmed in my heart, he reaffirmed in my spirit why I'm doing what I'm doing. And during this time away, God made two things crystal clear to me. The first thing that he made clear to me was that we needed to restructure as a church. You see, our church has been growing. It is growing. By the way, just a kind of a little note, side note, over the past month, we've had a record attendance Average attendance here at Grace Church. Over the past month, we've averaged close to 300 people in both of our services here at Grace Church. Well, I, think, I think that's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you. My wife started that clap, by the way, so, yeah. Thank you. I was kind of out there on a limb, and it was falling, and you, you saved the day. Thanks. It's cool. I, I think people coming to church is a good thing. As, as the church grew, as it continues to grow, it was really clear to me that I was in the way. I was actually becoming a lid to the growth of this church. And so with the support, with the counsel, and the input of many, many people, we restructured how we lead. And the, and the whole idea behind it is we want to get out of the way so that people are freed up to use their God-given gifts and to, man, to go full steam ahead, that they can dream, so that they can have visions, and they can go where God is leading them to go, and we're there to support and to encourage. But the whole goal is to get people closer to Jesus. Like that's the end game. And so we restructured to try to support that idea so that we're out of the way so that you, as the people of God, can be freed up to do the work in the ministry of God. I'm going to be sharing more details about this restructure throughout this series. But the second thing that was clear is we lacked a vision. We lacked clarity on what the horizon, what was our destination as a church? Where is it that we're trying? What's that place look like? Where are we trying to go? You see, our mission was clear. Our mission was clear because it was given to us by God. There's no fuzziness. There's no gray area. Our mission from God is to make disciples. That's crystal clear. But the vision, the, you know, how, where are we going to get to that place was a little fuzzy. It was lacking. And let me just remind you that the, the journey to, to hear and to see a holy vision from God, it can be really difficult. It can be trying. And, and often it's difficult and trying, not because God's not trying to tell us, but often because we're in the way. Our brokenness is in the way. Our, our sinfulness is in the way. Our flesh is in the way. Sometimes fear 
is in the way. Sometimes we know where we're supposed to go. We know what we're supposed to do, but we're afraid. We're afraid that if we go to that place, we're going to have to leave where we are. We're afraid that if we go to that place, we, there might be some people that don't like us. You know, there's a lot of naysayers. or Maybe we don't go to that place because of all the negative self-talk that we speak to ourselves or the, the enemy. He's always accusing us and he's saying, you're not good enough. You can't do that. You'll never get to that place. It's often those types of things that get in the way of where God wants us to be. The journey can be difficult, and it's not because God is like dangling a carrot on the end of a stick. No, He wants us to know the vision that He has for us more than we do. But it's often us, we're the ones that are in the way. It can be difficult, and it has been no different for Grace Church. You see, I think we were... And we were doing a lot of good things. I think a lot of people were blessed and impacted. But as a church, we were kind of, if you could picture, we were kind of sailing in circles. (laughs) Not really clear on what the destination looked like, the place that we needed to be. So this vision, or this process to discover the vision that God has for us has been difficult, to say the least. It's been many years in the making. And often it felt like, We were swimming in peanut butter. It was just difficult. But with the involvement of the elder spouses and the pastoral team and uh, many ministry leaders and volunteers, after, gosh, a lot of prayers, being on our knees, just seeking the Lord, asking Him to give us clarity and direction, countless hours of meetings and coffee appointments and then some more meetings, I believe, we believe, God has made clear the vision that he has for this church. The vision is this. Imperfect people, okay, that's you and me, by the way. Imperfect people leveraging everything for those far from Jesus Christ. Imperfect people leveraging everything for those far from from Jesus Christ. When Nehemiah looked at the city of Jerusalem and all the destruction, his homeland in ruins, he was filled with great despair. He was he was broken. But when he looked up to God, he was filled with hope. He was filled with confidence. He was filled with courage. Nehemiah was not a perfect man. He was imperfect. But he leveraged everything he had been given by God. All of his time, all of his talent, all of his resources and opportunities, all of his leadership skills. I mean, he leveraged everything to go after the brokenness. That's what Nehemiah did. And that's what God is calling Grace Church. That's what God is calling us as a group of followers of Jesus Christ to do, is to go after the brokenness, to go after those who are far from Jesus Christ. Throughout the rest of this month, Using the story of Nehemiah, I'm going to unpack this vision statement. We're going to talk about the beautiful reality that God uses imperfect people. He uses people like you and me. All of our flaws, all of our warts, you know, all of our brokenness. He uses people like you and me. It's a beautiful thing. We're going to better understand what it means and what it looks like to leverage everything. And we're going to be drawn closer to the heart of God. This vision statement, it's all about the heart of God 
And it is the heart of God because our God is all about redeeming and restoring and rescuing those who are far from Jesus Christ. That's what He's all about. And that's what we're going to be all about. And my hope throughout this series, throughout the next three weeks that we have together, my hope is that you will hear and see stories of people, real people, just like you and me, that you'll hear and see stories of people in the Scriptures, real people right here in Grace Church. You'll hear their stories and you'll be inspired. You'll be emboldened. It'll lead you to move to action. And I pray that in this series that you will walk away knowing crystal clear that our vision is not to reach those who have already been reached. I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste my life playing church. I'm not, I'm not into that. And I don't want you to be into that. I don't want us to go after people that even Jesus said, I didn't come to heal those who don't need healing. I came to heal the sick. I came to heal the broken. That is the heart of God. That's what He said Himself. Our vision is not to reach those who have already been reached, but rather to see the unchurched, to see those far from Jesus, to see those who have been turned off by religion, to see those who are running the opposite direction of God, to see those people come back and to be transformed and to be reconciled by the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we are going to be all about. And even if it's just me, that's what we're going to be all about. And I am not kidding. I think it's important to remember that there's brokenness around us and that our lives, the Scripture says, are like a vapor. They come and they go really fast. My oldest son's going to be 17 years old on the 12th of this month. 17! Are you kidding me? What in the world? But it goes fast. It's like, what is, our, what is this life for? I would summarize it this way. There is a real heaven, and there is a real hell. And people are going to spend eternity in one or the other. And it's through the love and the redemption of Jesus Christ that people are set free from their brokenness. And that is the message that we have been entrusted with. That's the message that we've been given as a church to go and to proclaim to the world. That's the message that we are stewards of. And I am going to stand before God. You're going to stand before God. And I want to hear him say, not bad. Like, nice work, man. You stewarded that, that gift, that treasure well. You know, to honor that hope, to honor that idea, that, to honor that vision, I want you to hear a little update this morning from a very dear family to us here at Grace Church. You're going to hear an update from Reeland and Megan Wood. For those of you that don't know who the Woods are, they, they used to be the youth pastors here at Grace Church. And God had been stirring in Reeland's heart for quite a while. And, and last year, they decided to go and to plant a church in North Carolina. And God also stirred the hearts of Colin and Allison Parker. And they decided to go with the Woods and to support them in this venture, to support them on this journey, to support them with this new church plant. 
but here, here they are, imperfect people, okay? If you know the Woods and the Parkers, you know they're imperfect people, all right? I would say that to them. Imperfect people, the Woods and the Parkers, leveraging everything, okay? They uprooted their families, they left their jobs, they, they left their friends, their family, their church. It's like, why would they do that? I'm telling you, like from a human perspective, it's like, it's kind of stupid, you know? Like, why would you do that? To go after those who are far from Jesus. That's why they would do that. They're living out the vision that we're talking about. So I, I want you to check out this update from the woods at this time. Hi, Grace Church. 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 Goodbye, Grace Church. Okay. Hi Grace, this is uh, the Wood family from North Carolina. We just wanted to give you a quick update on how things have been going over the last um, four and a half months or so that we've been in North Carolina. Uh, Right now we're sitting outside of Mary C. Williams Elementary School, which is where Pierce has just started kindergarten. And uh, we're super excited about that. But just to give you a quick update, Some of the challenges that we have faced and been working through and have even overcome a few uh, are our housing situation and also our work situation. Um, We lived with Megan's mom, Helen, um, for the first three months or so. And uh, about six or seven weeks ago, we uh, finally ended up in our own home, which we're super excited about uh, here in this school district, Mary C. Williams. Uh, The other thing is our uh, job and employment situation. Um, Megan had her job almost lined up when we first got here. Uh, But for myself and the Parkers, Colin and Allison, um, it's been a little bit of a challenge and a little bit of a struggle. But we feel like we're finally settling in um, to our employment and uh, what we're going to be doing on a day-to-day basis. So um, Allison Parker, she's working at... um, a local foster care and adoption agency. Uh, Of course, Megan is at a dental office working as a hygienist. And uh, Colin is at one of the larger uh, hotel and convention centers in uh, in the city. Um, I actually started a window cleaning and pressure washing service. Uh, That's been quite the adventure and I've got to meet uh, a lot of people uh, in their homes and even in businesses. Um, But God has really, really given us some cool opportunities there. Um, Some of the things that we're excited about, um, number one is really relationships that we're hoping to build and that we're praying about, uh, specifically at Megan's work. Um, Meg, do you want to just give a, just a quick update, like how many people you work with and what, what that's been like so far? Um, yeah, so um, I was really fortunate to get my job right after we moved here, um, and I am working with about six um, people who are were all right around the same age, um, and nobody else is a Christian, which, um, you know, moving here on mission is kind of like hitting the jackpot, so I feel like we I have so much opportunity every single day when I go to work um, to just, yeah, to try and just um, be the hands and feet of Jesus and um, yeah, and so we're just looking forward to game nights and activities and fun things to to do with coworkers. To yeah, yeah, yeah we've already had a, a few really cool opportunities to hang out with some of the folks at Megan's work. 
uh, on weeknights and also some recreation stuff on the weekends. Um, man, so if you would join us in prayer for that, like just those relationships at Megan's work, um, that, you know, we'd have opportunities to grow closer with them and uh, ultimately be able to introduce Jesus to them. Uh, the other thing we're really excited about is here, the elementary school that Pierce uh, started kindergarten at um, is actually one of the most underprivileged elementary schools here in the Wilmington, North Carolina area. And um, so we're just excited to, to bring the kingdom, to bring Jesus, to bring hope and bring light um, to the school through, um, man, supporting and loving on the teachers and the building uh, and the families who are going to be going to school here. And um, so that's another thing that you could pray about is that um, we would have great opportunities uh, here at the school to partner with uh, administrators and even families um, moving into the future. So we just wanted to give you a quick update uh, and let you know how we're doing. We're definitely missing having a regular church family. That's one of the biggest challenges on a weekly basis uh, is just not having that uh, Christian fellowship and family um, where we're comfortable and supported and all those things. So we definitely miss you very, very much. Uh, and we love you. And hopefully we'll talk to you again. Bye. I love those guys. Did you hear all those bugs in North Carolina? <laughs> I love living in Colorado. I really do. Man, we need to continue to pray um, for the woods, for the Parkers. Uh, you, you may know this, but we need to lift them up because there's actually a hurricane that's headed their direction. And, um, you know, you never know why God would move people to certain places that he does, but it might be for this moment. I don't know. But I think it'd be good for us to pray for them right now. Um, Father, thank you for Reeland and Megan and their beautiful kids that are growing up so fast. Thank you for Colin and Allison. And Lord, I just pray for their protection. Um, Lord, especially with this hurricane that's uh, approaching, I just pray that you would keep them safe. Lord, I also ask that you would give them many opportunities. And maybe it's through... Uh, you know, this, this severe weather, that they would be able to bless people, encourage people, help people, and that, man, people would see Jesus in their lives. God, I pray that you would use the woods and the parkers in great and mighty ways to see many people transformed and to see brokenness um, changed and lives changed. Father, I pray for your favor to be upon them individually and upon their ministry. I pray that you would protect their minds, their hearts, their bodies, Father. And I pray that this dream of building a church in North Carolina would become a reality. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.